Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited that you have decided to tune in today. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire, equip you, motivate you, point you in a a new direction. And today is no exception. I am super excited to have Trevor DeVage with us. He is from Pantano Christian Church. They're in Tucson, Arizona. They started in 1961, but today they're one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Uh, it's, it's launched four church plants in Southern Arizona, and they've really started thousands of church, literally globally. Uh, and Trevor joined here in 2022. Trevor, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Oh man, it's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, Uh, it's, this gonna be fun. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this. We were joking ahead of time. We have some common friends. It's always fun to interact with people who are like, know each other and know each other's friends, which is great. So uh, why don't you tell us, kind of fill in the Pantano story, kind of what did I miss there? People to show up this weekend, what would they experience? Give us a sense of that. Yeah. So uh, you're absolutely right. We just celebrated 60 years um, last last year. Uh, actually, a year ago this week, we celebrated 60 Ooh. years. And uh, and so this church has got a very rich history. We've um, I'm actually the ninth lead pastor of this church. And so wow. um, over 60 years, that's a uh, I think that's a pretty good pattern. In fact, mm-hmm. um, the, the last, really the last 25, really last 35 years, that's been three guys. Um, there was a guy named Ed Town who, uh, man, was just visionary for Tucson, visionary for the church. Um, Ed Town was actually killed in a car accident here in Tucson um, as the church was kind of growing. And they they really thought, you know, the the leaders of the church thought, man, we, we may be done because Ed was, they were kind of at that critical growth point as a church. And um, that's hard. You lose a pastor in an accident. And uh, then this guy named Tim Coop came in, who's pretty much a legend on the on the West Coast, especially. But Arizona, I mean, you say the name Tim Coop out here and everyone's like, oh, Tim Coop. And right. Tim was really the visionary that that made Pantano a church that was going to be more than just a neighborhood church. It was going to be a church that was going to pretty much just storm the gates of hell here in Tucson. And they moved to the property we're on now. And then um, Tim had this like like most guys will. We're all interim pastors, by the way. That's, that's yes. Yes. my predecessor where some of us are interims for 30 years, some are for three weeks, you know, but yes. um, uh, that was when Glenn Elliott, who was the executive pastor at the time, um, Tim went to him and was like, man, I, I think you need to lead this thing and I'm ready to retire. And mm. Glenn had never been a lead pastor. And Glenn was like, mm. he'd been a missionary in Ukraine. He'd been a pastor in Cincinnati but he'd never been lead pastor. And uh, he stepped into that role and Glenn built an unbelievable church over Mm. that last 22 years. And Mm -hmm. so I'm standing on the shoulders of an unbelievable legacy that I look around our church right now and I'm like, why do I get to be a part of this? Like it's, it's it's like there's Mount Rushmore and then they put like Homer Simpson on the side, you know, that's what it feels like a little bit. Oh, come on, man. Come on. That, yeah. I love that. I hear what you're saying. Well, I love that you're taking time to honor you know, the, the legacy, the leaders that have come uh, before you, that's, that's such an important thing, particularly, you know, with the historic church like yours, it's been around, you know, historic 
I was just in, I've spent a bunch of time in, in England in the last, uh, yeah, we're in the not last <laughs> I know. And I, 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 with such a different perspective, one of the churches I was interacting with there, they've been on that site for a thousand years. There's been a church on that one, wow. one, which is crazy. It's crazy. But anyways, uh, you know, but something has changed in the last few years, you know, Pantano has really seen, uh, you know, some incredible growth and I'd love to kind of dig into that. Why don't you kind of take us back uh, kind of pre that growth, give us a sense of the church, and then let's talk through what's what's gone on these last few years. Yeah, well, Pantano's history, even I hate that we have to talk in like PC and and AC, right? Pre COVID, post COVID, or after COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's um, helpful. It is helpful, but pre COVID, I mean, Pantano's been a prevailing church for uh, mm-hmm. decades. Um, yes, the last decade in particular, I mean, Pantano was pre COVID. Man, this church was going and blowing. Man, they were baptizing people. They were they were growing, adding services, adding adding seats, the whole deal, right? And then, of course, the the great shutdown of the world happened, and everything kind of came to a halt. Um, the word we all hate around here, our team hates this word, but it's a reality. Everybody had to pivot. Um, mm-hmm. think, oh, yes, I, I hear that one more time. <laughs> yeah, I, the only time I want to hear it now is Ross screaming it on Friends, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but. <laughs> Coming out of COVID, so Glenn decided in the middle of the pandemic, I think it's time for me to to step aside. And Glenn, mm-hmm. Glenn has got a lot of, like, he's got a lot left in the tank. Like, he didn't have to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually, he would he would even say he didn't retire. He just kind of reallocated his, his time. But coming out of that, um, we, were, we were coming out of a pretty hard season in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Glenn and I had been friends for, for quite some time. And uh, I thought Glenn had already retired. And so he, <laughs> he calls me in the midst of us kind of going through our hell on earth. And he was like, wait, you're available? And I was like, apparently. And he was like, I, I wanted you like two years ago. I just didn't think you were movable. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, well, why didn't you call me two years ago? That might have saved me a little bit of pain. But um, <laughs> here, we, here we are, and we step into this. And here's what drew me to Tucson. One, that. 350 days of sunshine doesn't hurt. But um, what drew me to hear was that this is a church that um, they are massively aggressive at evangelizing the community around them. And and so Glenn's heartbeat was evangelism. Uh, My heartbeat is evangelism. I'm way better with lost people than I am with church people. And so um, I've just always had it look like, what is that massively? How how did you diagnose like, okay, this, this church is massively, that's huge words, massively aggressive at evangelism. What are some of the things that have happened in the past that that pointed towards that? Even just the, like uh, something simple because service, right? Service is huge. So I I say something simple, but my first weekend on site, we do a thing called serve our city where we shut down our church for a weekend. And we, we sent like 1700 people into our community to serve for a Sunday. Wow. And people are like, well, now church people, they always like pastors are like, well, what do you do about offering? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's no, I'm sure the listeners on this show don't, they're not, they, that was not their first concern. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> especially coming out of COVID where budgets, yes. what? Yes. Um, oh yeah. But what we found, I mean, 17, I, so I got to be secret shopper for one day here because mm-hmm. I'd been hired and nobody knew it. Right. Okay. So I got to go to all these locations and none of these people knew me. So it was like undercover boss, you know? And so I go to all these sites around town. And what I found was, as I was talking to people, the reason they're part of Pantano is because Pantano cares more about the community than it does about itself. Oh, so good. And and so I was like, okay, this is my heartbeat. 
this is who we are. Um, and, and so all the DNA of Pantano, like all the undergirding of evangelism and the verbiage was all there. Um, mm -hmm. I think COVID just kind of put everything on a halt. And so um, we, as I came in, you know, Glenn had on purpose. Here's what's beautiful about Glenn and I's transition. Glenn on purpose didn't start any new initiatives two years before he retired. Mm -hmm. The only thing he did was remodel our auditorium, which I'm so thankful today because in the old auditorium, we would have been out of space six months ago. Now we're out of space mm -hmm. right now. But mm -hmm. that's the only thing he did. He didn't, no new visionary initiatives, no new like church plan initiatives, multi-site, none of that. Mm -hmm. He was like, I wanted the people to be so primed to go when you got here that when you hit the ground, they could just catapult. And, and so literally we just infused like this B12 shot of Glenn's excitement about what we were doing, my excitement coming in the door and uh, man, it just, it's catapulted in the last, really the last 18 months. We have, it, here's, here's what's crazy. I mean, just the number of people that have given their life to Jesus in this place in the last 18 months, uh, we just, this weekend coming up, we will, we will surpass 700 baptisms since January of 22. Um, wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So last year we had 412 last year where it uh, will, we'll go over, over 295 for this year, this weekend that we've got. Um, Easter was our, our highest baptisms ever on a Sunday. We had 145 baptisms Easter wow. Sunday. That's and amazing. it was really, really cool because I had Glenn and our executive pastor, Roger doing the baptisms on Easter and, uh, mm -hmm. which Glenn's still around. He's volunteers. Mm -hmm. He's a rock star. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, he told me before Easter, he goes, our, our record for one day was 99 baptisms. I said, uh, when we get to 100, I want Glenn to get the 100th baptism. And mm, oh, so sweet. That, that he baptized the 100th, and he baptized the 145th, which was really cool. Um, <laughs> but to see his excitement to, is the guy that is, you know, you want your predecessor to be proud of what's going on here. Yeah. He has just been massively supportive of the growth that is happening. He's, this is why we did what we did, is because mm -hmm. this next wave. So the last year, we're we're up about 15 to 1800 people over this time last year. Um, wow. and, and I, I wish I could tell you, man, we're just brilliant strategists. Um, I really, it, it come back to something you and I've been talking about is just simplicity is what we've really mm -hmm. dove into. Yes. Love it. Well, so, well, first of all, I love all that context. That is so good. And what an amazing, um, you know, that fact that you've, you know, baptized or you're crossover 700 baptisms since, the beginning of last year. That's, that's just amazing. That's, that's incredible. Well, I'd love to hear about that simplicity piece. So what, you know, what are some of the ways that you've simplified uh, and has that been, how much of that was response to growth? Cause you know, as things start to scale, it's like, gosh, we've got to get simpler because we just can't keep all this complexity or was it proactive? Like, Hey, let's try to, you know, pull some of these things out. Well, it started off as proactive because uh, when I came in the door, I hit the ground full-time June of last year, but I, I was flying back and forth from January to June. So I was here 12 days a month for like six months. Okay. And in that six months, I did a lot of just reconnaissance. I was listening a lot to our team. I was listening a lot to our church. Mm -hmm. I, and I was watching without us doing any strategy, really that first six months, I was watching our church like hit these waves. And mm. I think, I can't remember, I'm going to give Rick Warren credit because th that's who I heard say it. He, or maybe it was Andy Stanley. He's a good guy uh, to give. Either of those guys he, are good guys, those guys. I'll give him credit. Um, <laughs> it's not mine. I can tell you that. Yes. Um, but the, the whole, if, you know, having momentum and not knowing why you have momentum is the fastest way to lose momentum. Um, mm. but having momentum and knowing why you have momentum is the fastest that's way good. to catch the next wave of momentum. And so um, we just saw these waves the first six months. One was I got hired. And so there was this energy that came with that. And then there was, 
um, there was Easter and mm-hmm. I, I tried to get Glenn to preach that last Easter. And he was like, this is not my last Easter. It's your first. Mm-hmm. And I, I fought him on it. I was like, no, bro, I want you to, pre-. I was like, as the new lead pastor, I'm telling you, you're preaching Easter. He goes, well, he said, I got news for you as the outgoing lead pastor. I'm telling you, I'm not. And, <laughs> but he's I'm doing that to solidify your leadership. He goes, because that Sunday will solidify for the community your leadership. And it was brilliant. He was right. And then we rode that Easter wave into the 60th celebration and the Glenn send off. And we moved here in June. So there was just all these waves. So when I finally got on the ground full time, I looked at, we did a lead team retreat. We got away for two days and I just told our team, I said, growth is already happening and we've done nothing Mm. except wide waves. Um, I said, so if we get strategic, uh, so we got away for two days. I said, I need to know what is, we got to set a metric of growth. And I know sometimes in the church, we start talking numbers and everyone's like, oh, all you care about is numbers. There's an entire book of the Bible called Numbers. Somebody cares about numbers. Um, Somebody made a count in the book of Acts for the amount of people that showed up on the day of Pentecost. All these lives matter to us. We live in the 12th largest unchurched city in America, in Tucson. So out of a million people in Pima County, Arizona, um, 850,000 don't know Jesus. Um, And and they're not antagonistic towards the gospel. They just don't know. So it's not like a Portland. It's not like a San Francisco. They just don't know what they don't know. And so I said to our team, I said, we need to set a metric for December of 2023. This was August of last year. December is coming really quick now that that I. It sounded like a long ways away. It sounded like a long way away for vision back in August. Um, And so we came back two months later and I'm sitting in a leadership team meeting with our team. And I I just I looked at our team. I said, all right, I want to I had a number in my head of what our growth would look like. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was a good number and I thought it was a godly number and I thought it was a big number. And, um, and then I looked at one of my lead team members and he looked at me and keep in mind, we were running like 34, 3300 right at that moment. Mm-hmm. And he looks mm-hmm. at me, probably one of the most godly men on our staff. And he looks at me and he goes, I, I've been praying about it. And God told me, I think 8,000 is what we're going to reach in 2023. What? Oh my now goodness. my face said, man, that's cool. Inside my head. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm, I'm literally like, I'm looking at trying to be as kind with my eyes as possible in my head. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like yeah, I, that, yeah, yeah. I would use, <laughs> you might as well set a gajillion. Like that's, that's what it sounded like. The next guy at the table goes, oh my gosh, I was praying and I got the same thing. Mm, and I'm, now I'm like, I'm looking at both of them. Like I've got two morons on my staff. That's, that's literally what's going through my head. I'm like, they've lost two their open roles. Yeah. <laughs> apparently they've been in the parking lot doing drugs. Like I, what happened? And I started to look around the table and there's about 15 people on our lead team and nobody seems like baffled by this. They're all like, yeah, that sounds about right. And I'm like, so I had an elders meeting that night. I go to the elders. I'm like, they'll speak reason into this, right? I'm like, yes. I'll go to my board. They'll speak reason. So I, I primed them too. I was like, guys, I got to tell you this crazy thing that our staff just said today. And I'm setting them up for like, they're going to take my side. They're going to be in. And I told them, I was like, our staff said, we're going to, basically we're going to double in 18 months. And, uh, I was waiting for it and they were like, oh yeah, that sounds about right. And I just, in my head, I was like, I have moved moved my family to the land of delusion. Like these people- What is in the water? What is in the water in Tucson? Like what's coming off the mountain? Like apparently they didn't purify their water. Like I've seen naked and afraid and I'm afraid right now. Like I'm afraid. And uh, and so I I literally, I'm on my back porch two days later and I'm praying and Mm -hmm. God literally, if I've ever, I don't hear God audibly speak. Like if it, it's James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman, right? Um, and what what I've distinctly got is I'm sitting on my patio one morning is God's, God literally spoken to my soul like, why are you the only one on the team that's putting limits on me? 
Oh, wow. I was like, all right, I'll shut up now. Uh, <laughs> okay. It, it feels like, uh, you know, all right, I'll shut yes. up. I've already said yes. Oh, man. Wow. So that started the process. If we're going to reach 8,000 people in mm -hmm. 18 months, um, mm -hmm. we can't keep doing everything that we're doing because Pantano has a history. If you ask anybody in our town, anybody in church world in our city, Pantano is known for excellence at all things. Mm -hmm. So you walk in, everything will be done with the utmost of excellence. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I told all of our teams, I said, I need you. So we, this is where the process started in September of last year. I said, I need you to put on a spreadsheet, everything your ministry does. Okay. Okay. So uh, if you look at just one ministry, it's like, okay, they do a lot. But when you right. look at all ministries, wow. Uh, I mean, it was pages of stuff. And, right. and I just told them, I said, if we're going to even get to 5,000, you've got to cut some stuff out of this. And I said, it's not eliminating bad things. We should stop doing whatever doesn't fit. But right. if it doesn't fit the mission of what we're trying to accomplish, Ooh. there's things we love that we need to stop doing. And I said, this is going to be hard because you guys have some babies that you love and that, <laughs> this, so true. that you're going to have to get rid of. You know, yes. it's like you get the puppy that you get attached to and then it grows and you're like, oh, now we got to give the dog away. Well, right. there was a lot of puppies in that list that we were going to have to give away. And, and so our, our team went through this hard task of from basically September to October of last year of eliminating. Hmm. And, and it wow. wasn't elimination nearly as much as it was, what are we, what are we going to do that meets our mission, which will help us determine what we say no to. Okay. And, and I, I told our team, I said, you can make anything fit. You can right. it, like, I can, we got basket weaving for Jesus. I can make that fit. Right. Yes, we don't have that. Yeah, I can tell that story. <laughs> yeah. So help me understand. That was what I, just to drill down on that kind of one layer deeper. Uh, well, first of all, I love that. I love even just the, the, the task of asking our teams to get it all into one place. Like let's get it all into one document. I think that alone is an eye opening, you know, experience for folks. Give me a sense of some of those things, maybe like easy cuts that were like, of course, of course, that just makes sense, like basket weaving for Jesus, uh, you know, or ones that maybe were a little tougher, things that were like, oh, I'm not sure that that feels a little bit more close to the bone. Can you give us a sense yeah. of the kinds of things that started to bubble up? Well, I'll use our discipleship department um, mm -hmm. and Cindy, who oversees our discipleship department, our discipleship pastor. She's fantastic. Been here a long time. Mm -hmm. um, we had we had three. We had a pathway discipleship pathway, but it was 42 weeks. Okay. <laughs> so you would have to go through um, discovering faith. Um, you would have to go through, um, I'm trying to remember, there was three legs to this. And then we started Rooted. Um, yes. And I looked at that and I just went, I said, Cindy, I said, we're asking people, we're trying to get people to know Jesus faster, but then mm -hmm. we, we get them in a discipleship pipeline and we're saying, but it's going to take you 42 weeks before we deem you a mature enough disciple to do anything. Wow. And, and she was like, okay. I said, let, and I, I told her, I said, I'll let you run this course till, till December. And in January, we'll reevaluate. She came back to me in October and goes, I can't wait till January. She goes, I see where we're going. I see what it's going to take. We've got to go all in with rooted. So she moved these two other pieces into, into just electives for people. So our mm. discipleship pathway went from 42 weeks to, uh, to 10 weeks. Um, mm. oh, wow. and, and so it, when you expedite, by three years, that that expedites your church by three years, um, right? Right, right. And, and actually, it expedites it faster because now, in the last in the last year, we've put almost a thousand people through rooted, and, wow. and so um, 
the only two things we talk about here at Pantano, you'll hear it if you are ever to listen or watch, is we talk about Rooted, sign up for Rooted, get in Rooted, we celebrate Rooted, we talk about Rooted, um, mm-hmm. and we talk about inviting your one to church. And it, actually, mm-hmm. we don't even talk about inviting them to church, we talk about inviting them into your life first. Um, earn the right to invite. That's kind of our phrase, earn the right to invite to church. But the only way you earn the right to invite is invite yourself into their life first. And Mm. our people have grabbed the one like that's, it's not new, um, but it was in our DNA. So I just grabbed low hanging fruit of, we got to stop doing, we've got to focus and really rooted in one. But that came from Cindy cutting a whole bunch of stuff um, Mm. that she loved, that she started, but she was like, all right, I'm good. I see the vision. Let's go. And uh, I mean, same thing across the board, kids, students, uh, our production, worship and arts team. Uh, we've got a cafe that feeds a couple thousand people a weekend uh, on site and uh, they've had to get more simplistic. Even our, even our engagement pathway, like starting point, discover Pantano launching point. um, Mm -hmm. We even, we even shifted our mission statement. We didn't shift it. It was our mission statement. We just leaned into it. We don't have volunteers Mm -hmm. here anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So a little shift of verbiage for our people, our, our, our mission statement is loving people to Jesus, launching passionate difference makers. Um, mm, love it. So we, we got up in a series called difference makers and said, we don't, we thank you for volunteering. We don't want volunteers at Pantano anymore. We want difference makers. <laughs> um, and so we, we got rid of volunteers. we but mm-hmm. we were like, everybody can make a difference. And we want mm-hmm. you to make a difference in your community, make a difference in your church, make a difference in your family, make a difference in your work, make a difference in your school. And, and so those things, man, just the simplicity of that. Um, here's what's crazy. So we, we get to Easter right at 9,000 people for Easter. Um, wow. And then post Easter, I thought, okay, we'll settle in. We were averaging about 4,700 before Easter. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought, okay, we'll be about 5,000 after Easter. Well, we went Mm -hmm. from 4,700 to 5,700 in a week. And and so now we've been, we've kind of blown through that, that 5,000 barrier. And (laughs) three weeks ago, I sat down with our team and I went, remember what we did last summer? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it again. Um, Because if if we're going to go from now almost 6,000 to 8,000 by December, we can't do everything we're doing right now to get to 8,000. You oh, guys will get burned out. Your team will go. So we're constantly now evaluating at every growth point. Um, mm. We do three-month check-ins. We have a document. It's called the Smells Like Smoke document, which comes from, <laughs> it comes from Jude 23, my favorite scripture, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Um, and we say, wow. if you're, if you're going to help people see Jesus, you got to get close enough to the pits of hell to get them out. So you, mm. better, you better smell like smoke. And mm. Um, and so we, we have this document. So we just checked the metrics the other day. It was, um, that we set last year was average 4,500 by Easter. Well, we did that. Um, it was run, um, over, over 700 people through rooted. We did that. Um, our student ministry has gone from 50 kids on Wednesday night to 225 kids on Wednesday night. Our, our kids ministry has gone from 200 kids to almost 450 kids. Like all of these things, everything's up and to the right. Now we also understand there's a lot of excitement when growth is happening. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm actually praying for those plateau moments so we can breathe. To yeah, plan, take a deep breath. Yep. Right, to plan for the next wave. Um, but now what's happened is we're out of parking. We have no parking. Okay. We can grow <laughs> in our auditorium, but we can't park anybody. So um, now we're adding, we're going to go to three services in, J- in July. Um, in an auditorium that can seat just over 1,800, we're, we're out of space and two services. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Our online ministry is growing. We planted a microsite in a, in a mission here in town. We're going to launch a couple more of those this year. Uh, but we've got to add a third service because God's, God's bringing people. Um, yep. But it all goes back to simplicity, man. Like it, yeah, it just that. do less to reach more. That's what we can that. do. Less to so reach. There's, 
Yeah, I just think that's so good. So much in there to unpack. I love, um, I want to come back to the invite culture stuff in a, in a minute. I want to ask, kind of get your thoughts on how you're cultivating that with your people. Uh, but on the opposite end of, of um, what I hear you saying is, hey, we need to simplify so that we've got the energy, the resources, the focus, the, the ability to move people, um, you know, when things are simpler. I love that. That's a very vivid example, 42 weeks to 10 weeks. Um, we've talked about Rooted a bunch of times on the podcast. We had Aaron Smith, or sorry, um, Aaron Kerr on a couple of years ago uh, from Mariners talking about Rooted. And many people have, have uh, many churches have talked about a similar kind of experience. It's fantastic. What, what have, has there been anything in the last 18 months that you've added or the church has added because of this extra, the extra cycles that you think is also helping you that you're, or is there new behaviors? There may not be, but I wondered if there's any new behaviors, uh, new systems, new pieces of the puzzle that uh, you think you might be using. You know, that's an interesting question. I, I haven't even thought of that. Um, we, cause we, we didn't really add anything. We just enhanced right. what we already here. Um, mm. so I just begin to look at the DNA of our church because I, I still yes. get the 30,000 foot view. I'm getting closer. I'm, I'm starting to get closer to the ground. Um, but I still have the perspective. And so here, here's what I knew about Glenn. Glenn was a systems builder. <clears throat> Glenn was a strategist. Um, mm -hmm. He was great at strat ops. He was like all of the, so none of our systems were broken. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing was broken at Pantano when I got here. So all I had to do was turn dials to fit my personality and my leadership. Sure. And, sure. and so I'm not, I wouldn't say we've added, I'd say what has shifted in our culture is we have focused so hard on the one. Um, mm -hmm. we, it's literally our DNA every weekend. You'll hear it every weekend. We mention it. every message has something that leads back to the one and, uh, our people, this is again, Southwest versus Midwest. I came from the Midwest mm -hmm. to the Southwest. Mm -hmm. I really thought I would be fighting battles here. I don't fight. Mm -hmm. Um, the battles I fight are church people that want to move too quickly. Um, mm -hmm. in the Midwest, I fought church people that didn't know what quick was. Um, okay, okay. So, you know what I'm saying? Like yes, our people yes. are clamoring, like just give us vision to go after, and, mm -hmm. and we've given them just a simple vision, one person at a time. And yep. so now yep. on our baptism Sundays, backstage, people are like, uh, this is my one. This is my yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, love one. it, love it. It's love just it. in the verbiage. Um, I, don't, I don't know that we've added anything. I think we've enhanced. Is what we've uh, yeah, that makes sense. More focus, more energy, taking the energy from other things and said, hey, yeah, like even that 42 to 10 weeks example, obviously those 10 weeks. Um, you know, you've got more time. She's got more time to focus on that, to make that an even better experience. That makes total sense. Talk to me more about the invite culture thing. I love your kind of tip hitting it there. The one, the one, the one, um, talk us through from your perspective as a lead pastor. Um, you know, this, we see this in fast growing churches, it, you know, the difference between plateaued, one of my core convictions, plateaued, stuck, declining churches and growing churches is growing churches, train, equip, mobilize, motivate their people to invite their friends. And you're clearly doing that. Talk us through uh, what that looks like from your seat, from, you know, the things that you're doing as a church. Well, I think, first of all, it's like we simplify to amplify. So what yeah. we simplify is what gets amplified. So what we yeah. have simplified is evangelism. And yes. we've made, I think traditionally in the church, at least in America, we have made, we've made evangelism a program and mm -hmm. evangelism is not a program. Evangelism is what we are called to be as Christ followers. So the great commission says, go and make, not sit and take. And we have just leaned into our, our culture of our people. Um, I've told them, I'm like, if you want a church to sit and, and take from, you want to just get fat off the church spiritually, um, this is not the church for you. We love you. We'll, we'll help you find a church. Um, mm -hmm. But this is a mobilizing church. And so we just, we have, we have shifted our people to be able to tell their story well. And, mm -hmm. and it's not hard. I'm like, it's your story. Just go tell mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. so we, what we have literally done is it, it sounds so like, 
simplistic and so trite, but the reality is we just tell them every week, earn the right to invite. So mm -hmm. who's your one? We, we, about once a month, I have them rewrite it down, write that name down. Do you have that name? I ask them all the time. Do you have a one? The other piece that I think is more key is our staff. Part of our staff um, uh, review is mm -hmm. who is your one and what are you doing about it? Mm, oh, good, good, good. If our staff doesn't own it. Our church will never own it. So mm -hmm. the cool thing is I've got staff members that in the last year, they're like, this is the first time I've actually invited someone. Great. Right. And they've right. come. <laughs> you yes. know, and it's like, yes, yes. Great. Like I play golf. That's, that's my thing. I, I play golf. Um, I've got to baptize about eight guys that I play golf with in Tucson. Um, right. it's okay. just an invite. Like, and I, yesterday I played golf with a couple guys. One goes to our church, one doesn't. Um, right. and now they've invited me to play golf and I'm like, mm -hmm. sweet. So mm -hmm. you just invited me into four hours of getting to evangelize you. Thank you. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll it, take it. we tell those stories all the time. Like uh, you can't yeah. not tell this. You have to tell the story all the time. So we're constantly telling the story about our ones and whether that's in video, whether that's from the platform, whether that's in rooted, whether that's in the small group, whether that's in the cafe, like everywhere we talk about, there's a big display in our lobby. It's seven foot plexiglass, 3d number letters that say mm -hmm. one, we put mm -hmm. a ball pit ball with the name of every baptism and the date in there. Um, mm. and it's just visual reminders. And then we have cards outside our auditorium, literally they're little square, like four by four cards. Um, mm -hmm. it's literally just an invite card that mm -hmm. we can't keep them in stock. People take them right. every Sunday. Um, Love it. we've just created a culture of invite where if you get them, if you invite them here, we're going to make sure they get Jesus and they get it in a relevant, authentic way. Yeah, I love it. Well, I think, you know, there's so much I love about this. And I, you know, about a month ago, six weeks ago, I was at a church and, you know, they had me in for a coaching thing. And, you know, I was on Monday, I did not on Sunday, but on Monday, I was challenging the the lead pastor on exactly this. I said, you know, some of this stuff is not rocket science. Some of it just comes down to like exactly what you're saying there, which is like, let's articulate, hey, next week is a great week for you to bring your friends for these reasons. Like even just, hey, my, my message is going in this this direction. Do you know somebody who's like this? They should come, you know, having those invite cards, doing, you know, all those, there's a thousand and one of those little things. Uh, I love that. Such a great example. Friends, uh, you know, Trevor just unleashed a whole bunch of great ideas in a very short period of time. You've probably got to go back and write down some notes there. So good. Uh, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Trevor, as we're kind of coming into land, anything else you want to share? Any other kind of pieces of the puzzle you want to uh, make sure that we're uh, we're thinking about? Yeah, I, here's what I would say, just as lead pastor to any other lead pastors out there. And I know there's a lot more than lead pastors that listen to this podcast. But um, And if you're not a lead pastor, lean in so you can talk to your lead pastor about it. Um, but lead pastors, you have to be, one, you have to own your vision of what you're asking everybody else to do. And and when you simplify, simplification is the hardest thing we do. Um, mm -hmm. uh, like our team, I'm like, it's easy to be complex because complex is job security. Because if you're the only one that can describe it, you get to keep your job for a while. Oh, um, dude, come on. That's so good. <laughs> But, but simplicity, like Craig Groeschel, a couple years ago in his leadership podcast, he said he got introduced as the most boring leader in America. And he, <laughs> said, and he said, I was offended at first. He goes, but what the guy meant was when you go to Life Church, you know exactly what you're going to get and you know what they're about. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I told our team, we're going to be known as the most boring leadership team on the planet mm -hmm. Earth, because when mm -hmm. you come to Piantano, I want you to know exactly who we are and what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Pastors, stop like stop complexifying your organization. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the word, but I made it one. Um, make sure that this when you go simplicity, you have to buy the simplicity first and you have to drive the simplicity. Don't ask your team to drive it. You have mm -hmm. to drive it. Um, and then if you drive it enough, your team will catch it. And then you're just mm -hmm. managing the simplicity, which is actually mm -hmm. job security. Um, the more simple you can make it, I think the more people you reach, um, again, our line around here is, um, do less to reach more.
And I would say, if you do less, you will reach more when you understand who you are. Love it. So good. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, I love that analogy of being, you know, more boring. One of the things, you know, we've talked about in a bunch of contexts is uh, your people won't invite their friends if um, they don't know what is going to happen at whatever thing it is we're talking about, a service or whatever. They need to be able to be predictable. It needs to be because when if you think about it, the point of invite you know, I talk to you, I'm like, hey, you come this weekend, there's going to be a great band, there's going to be, you know, whatever, this kind of music, that kind of thing. Well, let's say if they show up and there's a there's a, a giant orchestra there, which you could argue is actually better than a five-piece band. You could say, actually, that's a better thing, but it's different than what I invited you to. It's different than what I said. What does that do in the relationship? It enters this like, oh, I you don't know actually know what's going on at your own church. It makes people you nervous. Teach me is what it, what yes. it feels like, you know? Yes. And, and what I found is, is most most people in our culture here, they mm-hmm. don't care about our band. They don't care about the quality. Yes. They care about authenticity. Yes. Yes. And so uh, now we do a really, our team is fantastic. Yes. What resonates with our people is they feel like there's no pedestals at Pantano. We have no Pantano yeah. pedestals. We kick those over sure. all the time. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm horrible on a pedestal. I, I can't hold my balance anyhow. Um, but <laughs> we try to be as real as we can be with people. And I think it's in that, that authenticity is what people are looking for. Um, and yeah. as culture is shifting out of a pandemic into whatever the next thing of the world is, um, you know, the number one thing we did coming out of Easter is we've talked about anxiety, uh, mental health. Um, mm-hmm. We've had a massive growth out of Easter because we just we're, we're going to talk about mental health. Uh, yeah. Talk about things that the church has traditionally not talked about, but do yeah. it in a simple way and people will grab a hold of it. Yeah, I love it. Trevor, I'm just so thankful that you were on the show today. I also just want to pause for a moment, friends, and just honor you for your um, the way that you're speaking about your predecessors. Friends, it would have been very easy for Trevor to come on and been like, here's all the changes I made when I showed up and everything's amazing. Now, he wouldn't have said it like that because he's a good Christian. So he wouldn't have, you know, he would have couched it in a better way, but he didn't. Listen carefully to the way he has honored uh, Glenn and the leaders that's come before him, you know, personally, as an outsider looking in, I think that's a part of what God's doing here. He's, he's honoring your humble leadership in the midst of all that. So I just, I just want to honor you, Trevor, for that. It's uh, it's great to engage with that. I appreciate you being on the show. If we, where do we want to send people? If they want to track with you, with the church, where do we want to send them online? Yeah, I mean, the best place to go is pantano.church. Um, mm-hmm. That's our website and you can get everything there. We, we actually do have a church podcast called The Make. And mm-hmm. so you can, you can dive deeper with us there and that's on our website as well. Um, and then if you want to hang out with me, um, I, you can find me through all those things. But if you just take my name and put it into any social media, it's just my first and last name, Trevor DeVage, um, Instagram, Twitter. I don't even use Twitter anymore. Does that thing? Is Twitter still a thing? Um, yeah, is that a thing? Exactly. Facebook, TikTok, all the, all the, we're on all the places. Um, I got a website as well. Um, but I, I don't care nearly much about my stuff is just what the kingdom's doing. So if you want to follow along with Pantano, man, pantano.church is the place to go. Love it. Thanks so much, Trevor. Appreciate you being here today. Thanks, my man. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.